Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Bree. I will be your host today, and I am here with Mark from Fitness RX in Maryland. What's up, Mark? How are you today? Good. How are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for joining us today. Sure. My pleasure. All right. Awesome. So let's jump right into it. What is it that made you want to open your own gym? Two gyms at this point. Right. Yeah, that's kind of a it's not the traditional story. So I used to uh, for 30 years, I was in the audiovisual production industry. I was an executive at a uh, national company and we traveled the country doing large events. So customer service is my background. I was an athlete in high school and college. I got a scholarship to go to Maryland to play football and basketball. I'm not very big. I'm 165 pounds. I was a whopping 170 when I was playing ball. So I was the guy that was always in the gym, always doing the nutrition. People came to me, started talking to me about nutrition. So I got to thinking, well, maybe I should do personal training. So I did personal training for years, just off and on with people, with athletes, parents bringing their kids to me because I would coach teams as well. In 2010, um, the company I was working for, and I was a director of operations, we wanted to downsize. So the owner of the company decided to downsize, move the corporate office to Atlanta. I didn't want to move. So he and I decided maybe we should work together and start something together. And, and I remember thinking to myself, Jesus, I'm a little old to be starting something all from scratch. So I thought, well, you know, gyms would be kind of interesting. So my philosophy was bring the customer service aspect because we were in hotels and convention centers, like the Four Seasons and the high-end customer service where, and you'll, you'll probably get understand this, where the customer is always right. That industry, the customer is always right. A million dollar right. client, they want a pink elephant in the ballroom. I'm going to figure out how to get a pink elephant. <laughs> So I brought that mentality to the gym and very quickly realized that doesn't work in the gym environment. The client mm -hmm. isn't always right. Um, the clients aren't about what's best for them. So in the industry I come from and my, my background is you have to do what you have to do to get the, put the best product forward. Well, as you well know, or anybody that's on the call will know that not every client comes in wanting the best. They just think they want something, they go for it, they maybe spend some money, they don't. So I learned very quickly that I had to scale or change my philosophy. Customer service is key, but I realized quickly that there are people that say they want to be working out or come to the gym, so I have to make it extremely fun for them because I will lose them very quickly. After that initial you know, one, two, three workouts where they're having fun and then it becomes a drag because, oh God, I gotta go to the gym today. Um, it became, I changed my philosophy from athletic training to John Doe, Jane Doe training, and we we made it fun. It was uh, about laughing and joking and making fun of me and just a variety of things like that. So um, I, and I, actually I didn't have an option. I mean, that was, I had put all my eggs in one basket and that was to open up a gym. So I searched long and hard to find a gym. Couldn't find anything that I was comfortable with spending the money on to, to buy an existing gym. Um, so I finally had to dumb down my uh, expectations and find something that was kind of in trouble. So I found something in trouble, put my fingerprint on it, 
in on the eastern shore of Maryland. Uh, not exactly where I wanted to be because I'm from Washington D.C. So I wanted the I wanted the demographics of money, or I shouldn't say money, but I wanted the demographics of people that want to spend money to get in health, better health. Eastern Shore isn't quite that. Uh, it's more of a rural area, farming community. Um, so I started, makes long story short, started the gym, changed my philosophy, started making it fun for people, realized that there was nobody over here really doing weight loss and functional training, opened up the second gym uh, a couple years later, and that's where I am right now. I've got two gyms. Uh, that's kind of what made me, I was kind of forced into this and I've manipulated it enough to make it work just from my business experience from running a, you know, an $80 million company um, and having to change that philosophy down to a small individually owned company. So I think that was kind of a long drawn out answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Lots of good stuff in there. So basically you took, you know, the, the knowledge that you had from running a business in the, in the hospitality industry right. and kind of transferred it to fit for the right. fitness industry, which like you said, is much different. You know, the customer isn't always right necessarily no. within the gym because sometimes it's, it's a slightly different approach. You know, they need a little push or like you said, you know, sometimes they come in uh, and they're fired up for like their first three right. workouts. Correct. And then yeah. after that, it kind of, they lose their steam and their motivation. And then yeah. it's your job to keep them motivated, to keep them coming, to keep them, you know, wanting to actually reach those goals that they decided that they wanted to reach in the beginning. And that's a big part of it as far as retaining the clients that you have goes. Yeah. That, and one of the things that was very interesting, and I don't know if anybody else has had this issue and I've never had this issue until it happened to me. Uh, so before when I would train athletes, you know, football, uh, high school or college, or even, you know, even now I train people going into the military, special forces, there's a mentality there, bigger, faster, stronger, better. That was not a problem. It was, you know, pushing them. What I identified here was, um, and being growing up in DC and in large Montgomery County, I don't know if everybody knows that area, but in the larger metropolitan areas, I actually ran into here where I would train women they'd see progress. And usually that's the motivator, got progress, lost weight, saw muscle strength, whatever the case is. Well, I would actually have women that would come to me and go, I've got to stop training because my husband doesn't want me to train. I'm getting too small. Or it was usually a, they didn't approve of the, 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 their wife being in the gym so much working out and getting in better shape. That was a big shocker for me. I had to the first time that happened to me, I had to pick my jaw up off the ground um, because it, the, the first time I really heard it was a lady that was, um, she shot competitive rifles and she wanted to train to get stronger because she wanted to move up to the next class. I don't know anything really about shooting rifles. I learned more from her. So she had to get stronger. Well, she got stronger, she got better. And then her husband said, enough's enough. You're getting too good. You get too strong. It was just very strange. So that was another change of trying to keep people motivated. So I had to not make it so much about you're getting faster, stronger, whatever, but make it more about the quality of life. And that was never a, a, a focus for me because you as an athlete, you wanted to be better because you wanted to compete better. That's not the mentality over here. So that was a big change for me as well. So that's a new evolution. And then COVID completely changed that all over again. But that's right. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know you definitely run into some uh, interesting situations working in the industry. And like you said, it is, um, you know, it's crazy to hear those things as far as like, especially things that you've experienced with women and not, you know, like you said, their husbands not wanting them to yeah. be stronger or more fit. That's very interesting. Yeah. And um, it wasn't, but, and it wasn't a jealousy thing. It wasn't like, you know, you, our industry has such a bad reputation that, you know, trainers or sleaze bags or whatever the case is, it wasn't that it was just the husband's did not want their wives getting in better shape. It, they, I think it almost was like they felt like they were being left behind. So therefore, the philo my philosophy had to change to make them realize they have to try to get their husbands involved or their family members involved because it makes the quality of life better. So almost almost like, uh, you know, the life coach, well coachness thing now, which don't get me wrong, I am not your psychologist, psychiatrist at all. It's get in here, do it, let's go. Yeah, absolutely. That seems to be a theme lately uh, with some other gym owners that I, I have spoken with lately. It's, um, you know, I think a lot of times people do get into fitness because they're coming off of a competitive sport or um, life, I mean, my life situation. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and then um, people don't necessarily think of working out or the fitness industry as a whole as being something that benefits your health and your longevity. It's Correct. more so of like, how much weight can I throw around or how do I, how do I look, look in the mirror? It's, yes. How do I want to look aesthetically? Um, but, you know, I think it kind of gets lost to the idea of the health, the wellness, the longevity, um, you know, the better movement, the flexibility aspect, right. the mental aspect as well. It's such a release for a lot of people to Correct. be able to come and, and work out and just kind of get it all out. Um, right. So I think that that has certainly gotten lost. So, um, but it's almost like you've been forced to kind of take on that approach. And I'm Correct. sure especially lately as well like you said COVID changed a lot of things for you yeah, as well yeah. so um so as far as your business model goes how does it work within your facilities um do you do group classes one-on-ones yeah. okay like? so that's evolved as well based on the demographics of my two facilities um so my model is we're 24 hour, 24 seven gyms, you know, like 24 hour fitness kind of sort of you're open 24 hours. The difference is we're not, the front door is not open 24 seven. We're staffed certain hours at each gym, depending on each gym has a different um, staffing situation because of the clientele. Members get a card key. They get access to the scanner, scan it, door pops open. They get 24 hour access, you know, three days, seven days a week, 365 days a year. But we also do the traditional classes, you know, like we do Zumba, we do TRX, and we do Body Circuit, and variety. You know, everybody's got their own name for classes. And um, so the mentality there is that if you're a gym member, you get access to my standard classes. But my competitive aspect brings in the personal training. I do personal training. I do group training as well. Um, I stay clear of boot camp environments because every gym's doing a boot camp and I don't want to lump myself into boot camps and there's a little bit of competition over here believe it or not um so I focus more on a uh try to get women and women are the only ones taking classes uh, and that's I've noticed that even 
in Montgomery County, DC, New York. The guys do take classes, don't get me wrong, but women are the predominant class course. And what I'm trying to do here is the philosophy is teach women to lift weights. Now, I don't mean become a CrossFitter and I don't mean become a competitive bodybuilder. I, um, and I think women are getting more educated because there's so much online now, especially after COVID, everything's online, you know, but they realize that the way to lose weight or one of the ways to lose weight is to be, is to do load bearing exercises. And that's one of my big educational aspects. So in both locations, I do group training, but I also do women's weight training. We call it variety of things like 30 days of grid or whatever. So traditional gym, 24 hours, free classes, paid for classes, group classes, and personal training. Um, and then I also will branch out and do specific uh, training for like, I've got a Navy SEAL guy that I train. I've got somebody going into special forces in the army. I've got somebody trying to get into the Naval Academy, you know, that sort of thing. So um, that's kind of the philosophy. It's pretty straightforward. It's pretty simple. I don't offer, there are gyms that offer, a, and people that will watch this probably have this, lots of uh, programs. It's pretty bare bones here. I mean, we're not CrossFit environment. I'm, uh, CrossFit has a place, but CrossFit is pretty simple. No open gym. You have your limited classes and you have your own limited classes. We're very similar to I have a certain amount of classes and that's it. I'm not. Oh, and we also do kids karate here, believe it or not. I, I, I do kids karate. So I used to do uh, mixed martial arts and travel to the country uh, doing fighting. So we do that. But um, other than that, you kind of know that you're going to get me as an instructor. You're going to have one on one access to me. That's my biggest difference with everywhere else you can i every client i give them a card and they can text me whatever time of the day or night they want if they have questions about anything so that's kind of my structure okay so most of your target market is women and it's kind of general fitness maybe weight loss correct um, okay yeah, and that's, and that's because that's what's over here. If I was in a, if I, because my next gym hopefully will be in the Annapolis, Maryland area. I don't know if anybody, that's the capital of Maryland. That will be geared more towards, I'll gear towards the same, but I think I'll get more men and I'll get more men interested in weight training or, 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 or just say doing it right correctly. Um, here, that's just, this, this, uh, that's just not the market here. So, but yeah, okay. majority, I'd say 70% of my people are women here right now. Yeah. Okay. And um, so you've got the, the educational piece, which is great. Proper form, proper technique. Right. So you that's, stick we have, that. Yes. Injury prevention, number one. Right. Uh, so that's awesome. So as far as your, so you mentioned opening another facility. Is there right. a timeline on that? Is that something you're looking to do soon? Well, so the original plan was to have, have three to five gyms uh, within a drivable distance. I don't mean like five miles away, but if I got to drive, you know, a couple hours to get to it, I would. But I wanted three to five max and I wanted small boxes, you know, five to seven thousand square foot gyms. I don't want the mega mega gyms by any means. Um, these two gyms became so challenging because of the market that I had to put push that back. I've had gyms since 2013. Lat, uh, in 2020 was my the year that I had set to open up my third gym over in Annapolis, and that was going to be a CrossFit environment, 24/7 gym. I was going to have a hybrid of CrossFit. COVID hit, 
had to put that all on the back burner. So, um, and with, as everybody's fully aware, you had no idea how you were going to make it through COVID. Uh, I was fortunate enough to, I just shut down and did outside things. And I, this sounds really bad, but I had to let everybody go. And the, based on the industry I came from where you worked 80, 90 hours a week, that was just kind of what you did. It was just given. I run, I basically run both gyms by myself. I have a couple, I have a staff uh, manager at the other gym, but I can run both gyms by myself if I have to. Um, so now the philosophy is in 20, whatever we're in now, 2021, get through the rest of 2021, see how 2022 goes. Hopefully I can start the process of being, becoming uh, serious about opening another gym at the end of 2022, maybe 2023, but I'm still a little leery with, you know, what they're going to do with the economy. I'm just, I'm, I'm not willing to take the step yet. Right. Yeah, that completely makes sense. Uh, so you're basically running both facilities now with not all that much help. Correct. Right? Yeah, my instructors okay. will run their own classes. I do a lot of classes, but the, from the business perspective, I kind of do it, except for my Ken Island location. I actually have a manager that everybody knows, so she does all, a lot of it. But uh, I still go down there and do a lot of operational stuff. So you just got to be lean and mean. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And are you looking to eventually bring more staff members back no, on? No, I actually am, am enjoying the limited staff members because, uh, again, I keep referring back to my old industry. I used to have over 1,000, 1,500 people that worked for me. Employment management is hard. It's it's not fun. And the environment now because of COVID and I don't I don't want to get into political stuff. It's even harder. No, I do not want employees. At least I don't want a lot of employees. I open up my third gym. I probably will have to staff up a little bit, like one more person at one of my locations, but I'll, I haven't gotten that far yet. So, but no, right yeah. now the idea is not to bring anybody else on unless I find somebody that can bring business to me. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It makes you sense. Work for I know. Me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I know the managing people is is certainly you know one of the hardest aspects of yeah. the business itself, and you know dealing with so many different personalities and different views, and like you say, especially right now, it's it's a whole other ballgame. So I completely understand yep. why you're you know limited as far as your staff goes, keeping it to the bare minimum while still allowing things to function. As well as possible. Um, right. So as far as your membership base goes, how many members are you currently working with at each location? Uh, so personally working with, and that includes personal training and small group training. Uh, my classes, I don't consider that it, but the, the, the paid for group training and personal training, about 20 to 30 at each location. Okay, uh, and, that, and that fluctuates. Okay, and then as far as um, in total with open membership, the group, uh, and one-on-ones, in total yeah. at each location, how many do you have currently? Between five and 600 at each location. Wow. Membership-based, okay. personal training-based, uh, paid-for group trainings. I even have a uh, group membership rate that people pay a special rate to do all the paid trainings as well so okay all right awesome so that's you know you've got quite a few members currently 
So how was that affected through COVID? Did you have a large amount more beforehand? And like, what kind of a hit did you take, if any? Right, so I definitely took a hit, no question. So um, depending on what part of the country you're in, it fluctuates, and I'm I'm huge on investigating trends and and trying to be as knowledgeable as I can. Um, so when COVID hit, I was able to maintain my membership base at, base at both locations uh, because I asked members to hang in there with me. If you can pay your dues for another month, we don't know how long this is going to take. So I, for 30, 45 days, people hung in there. And then when it became obvious, eh, maybe they're not going to open up gyms. That's when I started losing people. So I would say I lost 50% of my membership base at both locations going into that second wow. month of COVID. Wow. Okay. And I had it, and uh, I haven't recovered fully yet. Um, but there's a couple different stories. But so I lost about 50% of my membership base. Um, was able to do outside training classes. I negotiated with people and asked them, you know, please stick with us. You know, we froze your payment. We're going to start payments up as soon as they allow us to open back up. So when they let us open back up in Maryland, which was, um, you think I'd know this right off the top of my head. I remember the date we closed like it was my birthday, but the day we opened, I want to say it was like the end of May or something. I don't remember. Anyway, I gave them half a month free. So we opened up in the middle, or maybe it's June, I don't remember, but we opened up the middle of the month and I told everybody, you don't have to make your first payment until July or June or July, whatever it was. So that built a little bit of loyalty as well. Um, and then uh, to make matters worse, um, so in Easton, my bigger of the two locations, uh, we just did a marketing campaign for a new premier membership, reduced my rates, Planet Fitness opened up a quarter mile from me, which hurt me, believe it or not. Um, so I reduced my rates, offered some more services, started building the plan back up. But then my other location, they didn't want to renew the lease. So I had to move out of that location overnight. So I moved out of the gym overnight, opened up another location, create a new membership base for them, uh, create, reinvented the image of that facility because my old facility had a pool. This one didn't have a pool. So I was able to market to a completely different clientele. So I combined the two marketing strategies, called it the premier membership, you know, threw the bells and the whistles in there and uh, was able, believe it or not, I was able to start building my membership base back up. So I went, I would, to answer the question, I went from, about 700 at each place to about 300 and now I'm back up three 350 down back up to between five and 600 at each location um, wow okay. it was a battle and it's yeah. a different type of, and it's a different type of clientele actually I may have my regulars my normals that stuck with me but it's definitely at both locations I have different clientele yeah absolutely so you've been through Quite a bit uh, yeah, through. Yeah, yeah, through yeah. February, March, April, May of this year was tough. I mean, that was a, a lot of change. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, not only did you have to go through COVID, but moving facilities within that right. time, is, I'm sure right. that that was, you know, very stressful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so as far as getting 
people in the door to rebuild that membership base. Um, How are you going about doing that? Are you doing uh, paid advertising, like Facebook, Google, Instagram, things of that nature, more organic? What is that looking like? Okay, so uh, um, in the old industry I was in, we did large marketing, you know, magazines uh, around the country. We did big stuff. Well, I realized because my two gyms here are in small towns and townships, big marketing does not work. Newspaper articles don't work. Advertising and print does not work. I found that out, that lesson out the hard way. In 2013, I was spending about $2,500 a month on one gym to do marketing. I spent like 30000 the first year. Didn't do me any good. Learned that lesson the hard way. So I realized social media was the way to go. So I've stuck to that philosophy. I do small Facebook paid for advertising. And that's been a challenge too, as everybody's aware that Facebook keeps changing their algorithms and they keep making it more difficult. Um, So paid for advertising through Facebook. I do organic advertising through Facebook, more of a, hey, did you know, were you aware? And I've, I've done conferences, I've done seminars, I've hired consultants, I've hired companies just to try to educate myself. Um, currently, I do it all myself. I mean, I've pretty much done it all myself. And, and But that's here. If I was in Montgomery County, I guarantee you I would have a company that I worked hand in hand with and they would market because I would have, uh, you know, two, three million people I could pick from. Here, I have 35,000 to 40 in one area and about 20 in the other. That's it. It's very small. So, I can't afford to spend a lot of money, so I have to do it myself. And what I found mm-hmm. works is the small paid-for advertising through Facebook, the organic through Facebook, organic through Instagram, because none of the other Instagram, TikTok, none of that other stuff seems to work for me. Mm-hmm. So that's my marketing. I what, Another interesting topic is I used to do weekly emails. I should have known better than this. This is one of those, oh, crap, if I could go back and do it again, I would do it differently. After COVID ended and we opened back up, I made the mistake, and I don't know if this happened to everybody, and I could, and I haven't talked to a lot of gym owners about this. I made the mistake of starting to do email information again. Hey, we're back open. Come join us. I got hit with so many cancellations. It wasn't funny. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. I am not going back to a gym. Cancel my membership. Because it became, when I was out of sight, out of mind, I know that sounds really bad from a business perspective, out of sight, out of mind, they keep paying their bill. But everybody knows in the gym environment, it's the reoccurring that you have. Uh, So I made that mistake and I never did it again. I haven't sent one more email out since, except the emails that I do send out once periodically or to my new members. Anybody that joined in the last nine months to a year after COVID are ones that are comfortable coming back to gyms. I haven't sent a single email out to old, old members just for fear of cancellations. Right. Yeah, I know. That's, it was um, definitely a touchy subject during that time. Like, obviously you want everybody to know that you are communication. Correct. Exactly. That you are open, but yeah, unfortunately in that case, sometimes it did come back to bite you because people kind of forgot about it. And then they were like, oh yeah, I do have that membership and I'm right. not using it. And the problem is, and this is different than, than I'm assuming anybody has ever had to deal with, but the marketing strategy has always been about more sales, quality of service, whatever the case is. Well, the marketing strategy had to change because of COVID because we were all mandated to close. We didn't have an option. It wasn't like 
I don't feel like doing this anymore or I'm not making money. No, you are closing your gym. So therefore, mm -hmm. but you were closing your gym because of a, because of a virus. So now people have the power to say, I'm not coming back. So you, the marketing has to change to their philosophy that gyms are not safe when that was never a problem before. And I don't think anybody's had to deal with that. I mean, I don't ever recall a situation where businesses had to ever shut down because of a virus or, or something of that nature. So that's no. a, that was a new environment for all businesses, actually. But mm -hmm. gyms specifically because we're, we're the spreader of disease and that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. That was a, yeah, that was a big challenge. Which yeah, everybody absolutely. I'm assuming is still dealing with because I still get the phone calls. Which, like karate specifically with kids. What's your mask policy? Well, our mm -hmm. mask policy, and this is kind of, Maryland's not, let me rephrase that. The areas I'm in, Maryland, are not as strict as Montgomery County and PG County. You don't have to wear masks if you don't want to. So my mask right. policy is if you feel comfortable wearing a mask, you do it at mm -hmm. your own risk and you sign a waiver. Like right. in New York, I mean, there's no option. I think you still have to wear a mask. And a lot of places you have to wear masks in Montgomery County right. and things. Mm -hmm. um, so I still get those questions. Well, what's your mask policy? And if I say it's optional, there many people say, I'm not interested. I'm not coming. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you yeah. just have to honor that. And I'm not going to lie and say right. mask. No, I'm just going to, you just have to, you have to go with the flow, the ebb and flow as it yeah. is. Yeah, right. I know it's, it's definitely, uh, it's hard because so many people have such differing views and different Correct. differing feelings and trying to accommodate everybody is just impossible. impossible. Totally so, impossible. you know, you kind of have to just do what you do and right. the people that come in great, serve them really well. Hopefully they stick around and then, right. you know, just kind of keep, keep plugging away at it. Um, the one thing so I will say, I, I do realize that I'm pretty sure this is true for you and true for anybody else. The people that are coming to the gym, they're, I mean, whether they want to wear a mask or not, they're determined. I mean, they're willing to take the risk because they want their gym open. So the people that are coming are okay. It's the new people that are the problems, trying to get that new blood in the door. That's where the problem is because they still, and if you're a senior, completely get it, completely understand because comorbidities right. or your immune issues, but um, it, somebody needs to do a, a, a free seminar on how to get people through the door that are that are scared to death of COVID uh, uh -huh. and that have success with it. But I don't think that's doable because New York's different than Boston's different than San Francisco, different than Ohio, right. different than Maryland. It's just, it's all over. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Florida where everybody's wide open. So. Right. Yeah, I know. It's so crazy. The differences between states and, right. you know, it's like you can't even predict or plan. There is anything. not a common denominator. No, <laughs> no, not at all. And it's crazy too. I mean, I talked to gym owners from literally all over the world and the differences between countries too is just right. crazy. I mean, like Australia just got off of lockdown. I think Amazing. it was this, yeah, this week or the beginning of last week. It was very, very recently. So right. just the differences. Um, and I used you know, to want to move to Australia, not now. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So I one question that I always love to ask all of the gym owners that I speak with is okay. if you could snap your fingers and improve one thing in your business right now, what would that be and why? One thing? 
Uh, one thing. Okay. Um, I would say in my, so when you're asking me that in my business, the existing business or to make my business better, I'm always, I keep, I'm a, I philosophize. Either way. Yeah, no, um, either way is fine. <laughs> it would be, it would be, um, education of people about fitness and getting them in the door. I mean, how do, if I could figure out a way to get in front of people and make them understand fitness slash my philosophies will actually help you become better and it will help you with COVID. It will help your immune system. It'll, if I could get that, if I could figure out a way to get that done, that would be the number one thing. Cause that would bring, that would, you know, I don't want to say trickle down cause I know that's a bad term and I don't believe in it, but that would evolve into more business. And then people would technically see results and then technically be happier. So for me, it's, it's, it's getting in front of people and making them realize fitness is a benefit, not a money, you know, a black hole that you drop money into. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's an investment in yourself, your health, your wellness. Right. Um, so it's almost like a, a more targeted approach to getting the right people in your door, essentially, right. you know, right. the people that have specific goals that are willing to invest not only money, but time and effort into actually reaching specific goals for health, right. wellness, longevity, and in the right way as well, right. you know, not just like a quick fix, um, something. Well, that, and that, that's what everybody's looking for, that quick fix, that yeah. magic pill, and that just doesn't uh -huh. exist. Right. Yeah, 100%. Of course, well, everybody wants unless, to. Unless you're 25 and you respond really quickly. Be, I, my, my joke is I always tell people, if you're 25, you can beat your head against the wall and make all the muscle you want. But that doesn't, that changes, trust me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And especially, you know, if you're working with, um, you know, middle age to older clients, things right. change. And it's not, um, you know, they don't reach those results as fast. And it's a slower process, too, because the movements become different. Yeah, um, I actually have, that's a funny story. I actually have a, uh, I had a trainer. I'm, I'm not big on hiring trainers because uh, the philosophies have to meet my philosophy. Um, but I had a young trainer. I was giving her a chance. She, her, her philosophy was the typical 21, 22 year old, you know, you can do no wrong, do whatever you want. And her philosophy was she believed completely in macros and macros work for everybody. And I said, not one, there's not one stop shop for everybody. Everybody's different. And she didn't agree with me. And she said that if you burn more calories than you take in, you will lose weight. I said, that's not necessarily true. And I said, so you mean to tell me that if you tell a 25-year-old college sprinter that if he, that philosophy, it will work the same way as it does for a 57-year-old woman, mother of three, that's premenopausal? She's like, absolutely. I said, you you just don't understand. I said, okay, I'll give you an example. You ingest 2,000 calories today of Snicker bars but yet you go out and you burn 2,100 calories. Do you think you will lose weight? She goes, absolutely. I said, you are wrong. I had to, I had to let her go. She, she and I did not see eye to eye on nutrition and I could not take the chance of her selling a, a bill of goods to clients that didn't work. So yeah. it's, it's really hard. Everybody's got a different philosophy. Um, yes. And it, and the internet doesn't help because every, every guru's out there now. And granted, I don't, I know I don't know anything either, probably compared to 
everything, but science helps a lot. Just yeah. updating your education yeah. is really hard. It's really good, I should say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody's so different, you know, everybody has uh, diff- different factors that Correct. affect different things. And, you know, one thing that works for one person may not work for another person. So it's important right. to be open-minded in that regard and not get so laser focused on just one approach. Right. So yeah, that can, that can certainly be challenging, especially with hiring um, the right people to have in your facility. And right. I, when I was in my facility, I wouldn't, um, not to say that I wouldn't hire anyone under the age of 25, but I right. had a hard time um, right. because of some of those aspects. You know, it's like you're so stuck on your way of doing things and your view. And, you know, and when you're younger, you think that, you know, you're always right. Right. And it works, yeah. it may work for them. What I did when I was 25, uh, doesn't work now at all right i mm-hmm. mean it's it's completely i used to be able to you know old adage no pain no gain that's where i that's the, the the background i come from i mean i would completely destroy my body and i'd recover yeah. i'd be fine yeah. i can't do that right now. Doesn't work. no nope nope things change that's for sure right all right so as we start to wrap up here uh nope. where can the listeners find you on social media uh so uh, my website is w it's pretty simple www.fitnessrxworkout.com um and you can just google fitness rx in easton or fitness rx on kent island i mean they're we're only about 25 miles away from each other uh or you know more cuviello so i've got what's interesting is i've got about five facebook pages but i only use three i have a personal facebook page that i only use for business believe it or not i don't put any personal information up there because that uh, that gets to a certain clientele and it's a different it's a certain type of facebook whatever they do on facebook that allows you to post things then i've got my individual pages for easton and my individual pages for stevensville or ken island i should say Mm -hmm. um so yeah just fitness rx in easton maryland or, or ken island uh, you know, I, because Fitness RX, I think, is a women's magazine, a women's fitness magazine, and there's a variety of Fitness RXs around. It does sound familiar, yeah. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, it is. My personal training business was Fit RX, and the concept behind that was Fit, obviously, but the RX is not R, capital X, it's R with a small X, like the prescription sign. Prescription, that's so what I thought of, yeah. I used to market my personal training uh, business as I have the prescription for your fitness. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that with the gym because I wanted it to be uh, more generic, but more, um, I, it just didn't fit my, what I was trying to achieve at the time. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I can't remember where I was going with that, but anyway, fitness RX, if you Google it, you'll come up with a variety of different things. But if you, if you uh, Google it or Facebook it to uh, Easton, Maryland or Ken Island, you can find me. And I post videos of my classes, a whole bunch of stuff on there. Awesome. Perfect. Alrighty. So Fitness RX in Maryland. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mark. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Alrighty. And to all the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you will be updated on future episodes of the show. And in the meantime, make sure you keep killing it out there and we will catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but Don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, 
Head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome back to the Gym Lords Podcast. We talk to gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, Veronica Rossignoli, owner of Berea Fitness in Berea, Kentucky. How are you doing today, ma'am? I'm great, Dominic. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, our little pre-podcast chats got me excited. So let's hop into it. Tell me about Berea Fitness, what you're all about. We are a small town gym. Our town is 15,000 people. Our gym membership at this point in time is around 1,200, but we're also a big town, a big time gym in a small town. So we have 15,000 square feet of a facility space. Our facility is sort of broken up into pods um, and, and it sort of happened that way by accident but it has served us very well for our clientele. So we have a cardio area, we have a weightlifting area, then we have a, a room for cardio fitness, and then we have a or group fitness, and then we have a room for rehabilitation, and then we have a couple of rooms uh, for just if you want to go in and work out on your own. Um, our facility specializes in... Um, weight loss transformations. I'm a life coach that specializes in weight loss. And um, I have, I take a limited number of clients every year. I usually keep it to 10 to 15. And when I open up my, my clientele list, it stays pretty full. Um, We run boot camps for our weight loss uh, participants and then we also have group fitness, which I think I mentioned. Well, you get a little something for everybody there. And there's a couple points in there that I want to make sure we hit. So you do have the, you know, what most people would expect from a, a box style gym where they can come in and get their open membership. You have group classes, you have some different training options there. But two things that stood out to me, one, um, logistically, you said that the space sort of happened by accident. So mm-hmm. how did we, that go? Did you grow and take over multiple spaces? We how did. How did that come to be? When I, when I came to this town to start some fitness classes, I just started with group fitness um, and it grew from there. Um, the, the, my classes grew so large. One time the police came and I thought they were just there, you know, like, hey, how's everybody going? No, he was there because they were mad. We were blocking traffic. So at that point, we decided to look for a facility. And we found one that would work. Um, and it had attached to it several other facilities that we could acquire as we as we kind of went along. So we opened up the main portion of the gym basically for group fitness, boot camps, and for personal training. From there, I had a friend who 
got herself in a little bit of trouble. She owned a fitness a club a couple of towns over and asked me to take some of her equipment. So I did. And basically she brought it down and I started paying the bank payment for her. And the people that were coming loved it. They just really liked having that extra little bit of equipment that we had, which was a four stack a couple of treadmills, a couple of ellipticals, some bikes, um, some body bars, just your basic gym equipment. It wasn't anything fancy. Um, I mean, it was a nice equipment, but it wasn't a whole lot of equipment. Um, and from that point, because it went over so well, we did find another facility selling some hydraulic machines. I got those for a little bit of nothing. I practically gave them to me. I put those in and I loved those. And then uh, my husband found some equipment, some used equipment, and we bought a whole bunch of used equipment. And then we started opening up the other rooms to put the other equipment in. So when that happened, it sort of morphed into um, a gym by accident. Within, within two years, we have morphed into a gym. And that's when the membership started growing. Because I had started with group fitness, there wasn't a whole lot of men who wanted to be associated with our facility um, because it did have a bit of a, a feminine name at that time. So we decided to do a name change, sort of a rebranding, um, and started marketing to the male clients. Now we're about half and half. We're about 50% male. 50% female, and that's taken us at least five years to get to that point. All right, so you actually, so you, you had a good opportunity there where you could grow at your pace and as opportunities popped up in front of you, so you've kind of taken those. You didn't you didn't say, I'm just going to start 15,000 square feet, spend a million dollars on equipment, put myself no. in hock up to my neck. You came through and we're going to start. And when, when people are banging on the door, trying to give me a good deal, I'm going to open the door and then expand, expand, expand. And, and here you are. Exactly what we did. Yes. I have to ask, and I, I think it's, it's less pertinent for any value other than my curiosity. What was the gym called before is Berea fitness, fitness, friends, and fun. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that sounds friendly to me, but maybe I'm just a Maybe I'm just it an open-minded person. Definitely not masculine enough to draw the, that it just wasn't going to happen. So you just went, we'll just call it Berea yeah. and we're good to go. Yeah, we went through a couple of name issues. Like I was fitness 24-7 and anytime fitness came, not was it anytime, it was another gym came after us and told us we had to change the name. We didn't feel like fighting, so we added Berea to the front of it. So now we were Berea Fitness 24-7. So that's how we became Berea Fitness 24-7. All right. The other big thing that stood out is you said that you specialize in weight loss transformations and you personally are a life coach. And mm -hmm. I want to dive more into that. What came first, you know, chicken or the egg? Did you, were you life coach? transformation coach before how was, was I was a lot I was a transformation coach who didn't know she was a transformation coach for uh, for many years because that's what I was doing I was helping these women overcome obstacles 
um, and not following traditional um, nutritional um, roads. I chose the more progressive science-based um, nutrition path. Basically, I feel like it's a reality of nutrition, not what people are, tell should, are telling you to be doing. Um, but everything is very science-based and individually based. I take each person and we try to understand them medically, socially, economically. All those things play a, a role in their ability to maintain a weight loss. That's the problem with the, with the diet industry. Anybody can lose weight. I can hand anybody a calorically restricted plan and they're going to lose weight for three months. That's just how the human body works. How do they keep it off? There's the, there's the issue. How do you keep that off long-term? So my goal is to make everybody a gym member. I don't want you to be a repeat weight loss client. I want you to be a gym member. So let me help you fix this problem forever. And you continue to come to my gym to keep your weight off. That's my business model. So it, I'm, I'm very successful with my, my weight loss transformation. That's one of the things that I'm known for. And I do have a, quite a bit of a waiting list. I have limited number of clients. There's only one of me. So, and I like to spend time with my clients. So I, I choose quality over quantity. Um, I tried a couple of different paths with the weight loss and I tried the quantity and I've tried the quality. I've been doing it for a while. So I've had a lot of time to kind of fine tune my um, method. And I found that I would rather have um, 10 clients paying me a large sum of money than 100 clients paying me a shorter sum of money or a lesser sum of money. So I I choose the path of quality over quantity um, and it works for me. I mean, I'm not going to become a gazillionaire doing that because there's a number of my, my schedule is booked out for three weeks. There's just a num limited number of hours, you know, that I can work in a day. So I can't take more clients than there are a number of hours in a day. And so that's how I spend my time mostly is with my, my clients or reaching out to members who maybe message me and are, are having trouble. I will meet them at the gym and work out with them or help them find a, a path that they can go on that they, they're comfortable with. And that's our big thing here is finding somebody's comfortability level where then I think that's the, the case for any gym and especially for women walking in gyms. If you can give them an experience where they they know that you value that they're not going to get injured. That's one of the very first things that I tell people is if you're injured, you can't you can't come back here. You can't do anything. So if you come in here in January, balls to the wall, get on a treadmill and start running, you're going to last about two weeks and your knees are going to start hurting. Your hips are going to start hurting. You're going to go back to the couch and then you're going to come back next January and try it again. So let us help you ease into this lifestyle so that you don't hurt yourself and you can see sustainable results over a long period of time. 
We don't want you here for a few months. We want you here forever. So that's the approach that I take with most of the people that I connect with. Now, because we're a pretty large facility, I can't connect with everybody like that, you know, so I, I do, I do what I can, but I also have other folks behind me who's doing the very same thing. <clears throat> All right. So I want to, I want to take a step back and then come back to the last thing you said, which is the other folks that you have behind you. But um, in a facility like yours, a 15,000 square foot facility, um, there's going to be, you know, overhead is going to be bigger than in a small boutique gym. There's always going to be a certain number, whether it's a thousand, two thousand, three thousand clients, whatever it needs, it's always going to be a higher volume. You're going to need more clients. Um, and then it kind of drills down to, to who does what, who takes part in which programs you have. But I like to start at the top or start at the beginning, however you look at it. You're in a small town, so there's going to be a certain amount of word of mouth and referrals and people just know who you are. Mm -hmm. That gets you so far. From there, there's other steps that you need to do. Advertising, marketing, you know, waving, mm -hmm. you know, getting inflatable floppy balloon hand man outside. What other things above the organic side, the word of mouth and referrals, are you doing or have you done? And, and what do you find has worked best for you to get more people through the doors? At this point in our world, nothing mm -hmm. works to get people through the doors. I don't, I'm actually doing zero advertising right now. The only advertising I'm doing is through our, our app, um, whatever um, organic Facebook or social media that happens. I'm not paying for any social media advertising. And that wasn't always the case. In the past, I have paid quite a bit for um, online advertising. <clears throat> At this point, I'm doing none because um, we found that nothing is working. Mm -hmm. So I'm not spending any more ad dollars until I figure out what I can do that is working. I know social media is just gone. That advertising trajectory for us is just, unless it's organic, I get no value, no return on investment from any Anything I've done now, I haven't done Google advertising um, in probably eight to nine months, maybe six months. Um, so I can't attest to that that, that um, avenue, the Google part. But Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, everything we do is all organic. We don't pay for anything. Um, we do buy flyers and we have events here in town that we give away the, we have an app we use that anybody that downloads it gets a free three day pass. So we, we pass out um, cards and flyers explaining that you can come in free for three days. Just download our app, put a QR code on it um, and a link so that they can just take a picture and get our app on their phone. And then that's our kind of connection to them. I can send out notifications through the app. So if you want to consider that advertising, that's that's my advertising right now. That's I'm using that excuse me, a newsletter. Um, so email, I do a little bit of email, not a great deal of email, just simply because that return on investment's not great. It never has been great for me. Um, and I'm a marketing consultant too. I 
my background is graphic design and marketing. I came from um, a a very large company doing handling all their marketing. And I stopped doing that and came and did this. So I've, I've applied all my knowledge, my marketing knowledge, to this facility. And for the last 10 years, I've pretty much tried just about all that you could think of trying. Um, what we do in-house is we make our own shirts. Um, I just, one of my employees just walked by. I don't know if you saw. He's in there mm-hmm. making shirts right now. We have a shirt press. Um, because I'm a... Uh, uh, an ASA registered, I'm still ASA registered as a marketing consultant, advertising consultant. I can order my t-shirts and everything wholesale. I, I even order the little things and we just press them on. And so we do give out shirts. Um, we have a system within the app where they earn points to get shirts. So most of my advertising is very organic. I don't pay for a lot of, not at this time, and I'm not opposed to it. I'm not at all opposed to it. My budget prior to all this nonsense going on, and we were we were five to six hundred dollars a month in online advertising, and we're not doing that at all. Yeah. So you raise a good point there with paid social media advertising, and I'm gonna agree with you about ninety five percent because so we talk about. Um, you know, with, with some of the people that I, that I've known in the marketing community, the Facebook slap, right? It happens every five years, every two years, every time Mark Zuckerberg decides that, you know, he wants to make Facebook worth more money, right? There's, there's these stages of face and uh, Facebook and Instagram, Instagram, obviously same company. Uh There's, there's always a crackdown. There's always, there's always that next level. Um, I used to be pretty heavily into, I was a digital marketing consultant for a fitness business. So right, right in that world before the last Facebook slap and you're right, it's devastated the ability for a lot of facilities to be able to see any ROI where I think it may benefit you. And where I see that you are kind of in the catbird seat there is what's still working, what's still getting a three to one, four to one ROI is people who can advertise real transformation in a way that gets through all the Facebook and Instagram no-no filters. Yeah. You know, there there are still ways there and it's almost exclusively transformation-based. Um, you know, people people don't scroll Facebook and Instagram nowadays and look like, oh, hey, I want a gym membership. It's people that I got a wedding coming up. I got a vacation. I got, you know, the world is open back up. You know, I can't be in my house in my jammies all day. Like I need to lose this, this weight or, you know, bulk up or whatever it is. So there still are some niches there that can survive in it. Um, Probably, you know, we get into, you know, specific targeting keywords. It all really has to be drilled down and focused, which is, it gives you, Gives you a leg up once you get the information because there are a lot of people in your spot saying, hey, this don't work anymore. And one of my first questions is always, do you provide transformation? And you hit you hit a topic that, man, did I love earlier. You said, I was a transformation coach and I didn't even know it. 
Yeah. I've talked to these people and, and I'm so thankful, right? This is not to denigrate anyone. And it's to do you offer any type of transformation. They're like, no, I'm just a gym membership. I just help people get in shape. And I'm like, yeah, if people, people are not sitting around saying, man, I wish that I could go sweat my ass off for an hour, have aches and pains, uh, you know, hurt from the gym, be sore, not be able to walk for a day and have to change my, my eating. People aren't sitting around wanting to do that and be a member to gym forever. People have some sort of problem that they, they want to fix. So, and I think the way that you have your facility position is, is really great for that. You're like, we have our transformation up front, but we still know that you need to be here for maintenance because you're not going to go do this on your own. 95% of people, if they don't have some type of ongoing support are going to go back, right? They're the, the yo-yo diet, whatever you call it. So it's like, Hey, let me give you this high level of service when you first come in. And that may be you or someone in your staff teach you these habits, get you to do all these things. And then maybe we don't need to see you three times a week anymore. Maybe it's one time a week. Maybe it's one time a month. Maybe I just, you know, ask you when I see you at the front desk, but, but you have transformation and continuation where a lot of people don't have one or the other. You're, you're offering both. So I think that there, there still is some hope for you there. Beyond the scope of what we can get into of the podcast, but advertising transformation, um, hitting those right keywords, there is still some, you know, like I said, you know, you can still hit that three to one, four to one ROI with Facebook and Instagram ads. Some of the other platforms are probably still far enough behind that, that it's not worth it. Um, but I think there, there's some hope there. Um, you know, maybe we can have a little offline conversation about that too, but, um, I do want to talk about where that, again, the transformation aspect, you offering a service to where somebody's coming in to fix a problem versus people aren't coming in generally to a gym like, hey, I'm just bored. I want to come work out. I need to spend some money, right? I need a tax deduction. That's not that's not what it is. So when people do come in to Bria, what what's your process look like? What type of consultation do people have? Do they get a free personal training session? Do they get a body assessment? What's that process look like? Because that's just as important. Uh, well, we encourage everybody to download our app. That gives them three free days. The mm -hmm. app itself has a barcode inside and that's connected to our software. So when they scan in, they... Um, are entered into our, our data system. So once the three days is up, I also use text communications. Oh, I forgot to tell you, I text. So I use a text program software that does touch points for each member based on where they're at in our database. If they continue to be a prospect, they'll be marketed to as a prospect if they don't join after three days. If they, um, join then and they don't show up if they don't check in for so many days they get a reminder that they've not been here um, we send out birthday um, texts and then we text kind of regularly if something's going on or if there's a deal I try not to send too many texts because it gets noise it gets lost in the noise so I, I I'm very um, I try to be very aware of what texts are going and when they're going and and I'm, I'm the same way with my app I 
We do text notify or push notifications. I try not to blow up their phone. I don't want them to turn their notifications off. So I try to make my app notifications relevant. So class closings, schedule changes, childcare schedule changes, important, really important things, not uh, arbitrary kind of silly things that the majority of people aren't going to be interested in. So you're trying to communicate, but not over communicate. Um, getting people captured in the app that puts all their information into your your CRM system. Are the app and your CRM system from the same company? Do you mind talking about what no, it is we, that you're using? No, we used um, a company called NetPulse to build our app, and we use DataTrack ABC Financial for our processing. ABC sure is powerful. Yeah, ABC is our, our our people. We went we went big on the on the beginning because we didn't want any problems on the back end, you know. So we figured let's go with the best case scenario here and get the best software that we can get so that we run the best facility so we don't have any issues. At the time we went with ABC, there weren't as many options either. Mm -hmm. I think they had Zen Planner and maybe just there weren't many options. Yeah. I, I mean, it's they all have their pros and cons, right? So if you have yeah. one that works for you for most of what you want to do versus mm -hmm. the pain of upending and switching services, sometimes that can that can be enough of a deterrent as it is. So the um, probably the last big point that I think we're going to have time for today is integration into additional services. This is, you know, getting people in the door is great. Um, but most of the more successful, you know, bigger facility gyms, commercial gyms, box, whatever, uh, whatever nomenclature you like, you know, they don't live off of just self-service membership alone, right? They like to get people into higher value, you know, things that people get better results in, transformation coaching, group classes, personal training, things like that. Um, do you have anything built into the process to offer that to people to ascend them into it to to make sure that it's in front of them if they find the need for it that's not something we have built in um it's something we are cognizant of and it's something that we are working toward building it into the front desk we're, we're putting in a we want to put in a tv screen and put the transformations on the screen so that's how we're going to kind of draw attention to that opportunity to do mm -hmm. to do more. Um, we don't push a lot of people to do more simply because our do more is full. Mm -hmm. The only thing that we we try to push for people to do more is CrossFit. So if we come across somebody, I mean, you know, you know the difference. There's mm -hmm. regular gym people and there's CrossFit people. You can spot them. I mean, if you have a conversation with somebody, you can pretty much be like, oh, yeah, I know where you belong situation. Getting them out there has been a little bit of a struggle because that the word CrossFit has such a, a negative connotation for a lot of people. They're afraid they're going to get hurt or it's going to be too hard. Or it's going to be too difficult. So our biggest obstacle is, you know, we want people to, to, to level up. We want you to go from Berea Fitness 
to our anti-diet boot camp or to CrossFit. Mm -hmm. So I can kind of steer them to the boot camp, but it's full. For me, in order for me to steer them or any of us to steer them toward CrossFit, there has to be a lengthy conversation there. You mm -hmm. have, I have to say, okay, here's the situation. You're going to spend two weeks with a trainer before they even let you in class. So basically you're getting two weeks of training free. They're going to make sure you're not going to get hurt. Then they're going to make sure everything is scaled down to your level. So let me explain that to you. So you can't do push-ups, right? Can you do a push-up right now? No, I can't. Okay. Well, you're going to be doing push-ups off a wall and you're going to look around the room and you're going to see about 50 to 75% of people doing modified push-ups. Same with pull-ups, the same with box jumps. All the things you see on television don't translate to real life. This is, this is you, look at me, look at how I look. Do I look like I could be doing a million pull-ups? No, I'm a regular person just like you and everybody has to start somewhere. So every person that we try to push out into that venue we have to have this conversation with them. Otherwise, they're coming in on their own. They know what they want. You know this because you've been in the business. Mm -hmm. They come in here and they know that we're CrossFit and that's what they want. They have not, They know. They're ready to go. So in order for me to convince someone in my facility to, to level up, I have to kind of sort of groom them, you know, and, and it's taking me. I've, I've seen women, especially, um, it's taking me months sometimes to convince a woman to go out there. And usually I have to go with them. I have to say, let me meet you out there. We'll work out together. We'll do it together. And then they love it because they're made for it. You could see it in, in, in their personality. They, they fall in love with it, but convincing them that it's going to be okay is a huge obstacle. Yeah, for sure. I think you I, you hit the nail on the head. And, you know, for for you to have that option, there aren't a lot of gyms like yours that either have a, you know, another CrossFit gym that they open or right next to your building or, you know, there I've talked to a handful that have it inside, but it surely is a completely different conversation. The people that just come in waving their hand, hey, I'm looking for the CrossFit. All right, go go to that door. But That's everybody else, it's like, it starts off with, hey, I could never do that to tell me a little more about it to I'll talk mm -hmm. to you. In public. Let me get in shape first. And then That's there's, it. let me get in shape first. Yeah. Right. You know, well, all right. If you want to get in shape, then, you know, the the last thing that we had there was you said, you know, your your next thing, your boot camp and your personal training right now are just basically both filled up. We could probably handle a few personal training clients more, but we're, we're, we're pretty maxed out right now. So is that a problem for you with uh, finding more trainers, with having space to put people in, if you have everybody maxed no. out here? It's no, I could, I could find trainers. I just, I'm very, very, very particular of, with who work. I, you know, in the state of Kentucky, there's no licensure. Mm -hmm. for being a personal trainer and that can get very 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 dangerous mm -hmm. <clears throat> excuse me so I make sure everybody that works for me works under me for a while so that I know that they're training the way I want them to train I also make sure everybody gets the top notch certifications 
I don't allow anybody to train in my facility unless they've been certified and they have worked under me because I know how dangerous it can be for somebody who thinks they know how to be a personal trainer to start personal training somebody. So I'm very, very particular. Um, and it served me well. I would rather have a list of clients who need a trainer than have a, a list of trainers who need clients. So, and it's, you know, that market, that pushes your market. If you have a little bit of, uh, we can't take you right now, it shows the value of what you're offering and that people want to come and use your services. So I would much rather have a list of clients who need us than a list of trainers who need clients. Right. So it's really the old quality over quantity for you. And also realizing that a certain amount of scarcity, it's, it's really the same thing as with restaurants, right? A restaurant with a line, you know, if somebody, you can have the best restaurant in the world, but if you have too many tables and there's never a line, people are going to, they're not going to think it's the best restaurant. So having some degree of scarcity, it allows you to, you can, you know, sometimes it means you can raise your prices or, or have them set where you want to be or be pickier with your clients. There's a lot of advantages to that. And for you, I'm sure there's a certain amount of energy that you have to decide, all right, I want to apprentice somebody else. You know, I have enough going on in my life in the business to where is this going to be, you know, because I'm sure for every, you've been doing this a while, probably for every 10 people that come with a full head of steam that want to do it, it sounds like there may be only one or two who make the cut for you. Um, pretty much, yeah. Um, like my 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 training, mine's full, and then I have Colin is pretty much full, and Anna can take a few clients. I mean, I have a few trainers that can take a few clients, but we're definitely quad quality over quantity. We look at ourselves, uh, you know, there's two kind of models when you look at gym facilities. You've got one like mine, and then you have the the low end, the, the planet fitnesses, where they want as many people as they can get to come and join because who's going to miss $10 a month, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I could go that route, but I don't want to. That's not, I can't, I can't fix people that don't want to come. They just want to have a key card. You know, to show people that they got a gym membership. I want people who actually want to come into my facility and work out and become better. Now, I know as a business owner, there has to be some level of, you know, people that aren't coming. For me to stay open, I have to have some level of that. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, 15 people showed up here to come work out at five o'clock. I'd be in trouble. <laughs> So there's, there's a, there is some level of there, you know, having members that don't actually use the facility. It's unfortunate. It's not what we want, but it's just part of the business. And I will say too, since we don't, we're, we're coming out of time. When we built this business, we're debt free. We've always been debt free. And that's how we have survived COVID. We also have provided such a high value of service in this community that we never lost our memberships. We lost maybe 20 to 30% of people who just couldn't afford to continue on. Everybody else kept paying us. 
They knew they couldn't come. They kept paying us because they valued us as a member of this community. So I think that says a lot about who you want to be as a gym. Are you going to be an integral part of your community where if something happens, if a catastrophic event happens, are you going to survive or are you going to have to, to shut the doors? We set ourselves up to in a position where we didn't thrive, but we didn't suffer. You know, we were able we were able to grow during the pandemic. We sold all of our old equipment and bought bought all new equipment, you know, during the pandemic, when all the other gyms were shutting down, we, we got brand new equipment in and we had the opportunity to do that because we were debt free. We didn't have to worry about paying, you know, we paid our rent while we were off and that was it. We didn't have electric. We just had our lease. Yeah, usually I close the podcast out asking people for the biggest piece of piece of advice or or biggest lesson they've had as gym owners. But so we started off with this and I kind of had that feeling where when we were talking about how you grew, you didn't take on a huge facility and a big loan and and, you know, millions of dollars to outfit it. You've been you've bootstrapped it right for for lack of a better phrase, you bootstrapped it. And mm-hmm. it sounds like just sound financial planning, putting yourself in a position where we all know nobody could have predicted a pandemic, right? That's, that's a, a hopefully a once in a lifetime thing, but you put yourself in a position where for most things that could have been thrown at you, you were going to be all right. It didn't mean you were going to be, you know, you're not going to be one of these people who made millions because of the pandemic, but right. you're still here and you got through it. Like you said, you built a community that still supported you while you were closed. So, um, you know, just, just making sound financial decisions and not putting yourself at the mercy of somebody else just for the sake of the newest, shiniest toys sounds like something that served you really well. It did. It served us very well because the, the equipment we bought was from a brand new gym that had to shut down. And we, we were able to acquire it, unfortunately, for, you know, a very, very low amount of money for what that value of that equipment was, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm certain it was at a fraction of what they paid for it. So our, you know, I hate to say we're lucky because somebody else had to go out of business, but, mm-hmm. you know, we took advantage of opportunities when we could because we'd set ourselves up for that ability to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah. What do they say? Fortune favors the prepared or something like that. Yeah. I'm not my cliches, but, but you were ready and there was an opportunity there and you know, it, it sucks that they went out of business, but you're still helped them out to some degree by making them a little more able to liquidate. So mm-hmm. I think uh, on that lesson, we are officially out of time here. The last thing I want to make sure our listeners, if they want to find you, uh, it's Berea Fitness, B-E-R-E-A fitness.com and also BereaCrossFit.com are the two websites, correct? It's CrossFitBerea.com. CrossFitBerea.com. Mm-hmm. Thank yes. you very much. Veronica, it's been a pleasure having you on today. I thank you for your time. I appreciate, I appreciate you joining us. I appreciate your time as well. I've enjoyed this conversation and um, I hope the podcast does great. Thank you so much. And to everyone out there listening, as always, thank you for being with us. We appreciate your time too. We hope you found value and inspiration in this episode. If you'd like to hear more, 
hit the subscribe button. To everyone out there in Jim Ward's nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives, keep kicking ass. Jim Ward's out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Andreas of Bootcamp UK Daytona Beach. Andreas, what's going on, my man? How are you today? I'm very good, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be on the show. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the interview today. Excited to dive into this, and this is an interesting interview because you have previously been involved with this business over in the UK, but this is the first iteration of it on US soil. Give us an idea, Andreas, of how you got involved with this and what made you want to bring it to the US. Sure. Yeah, thanks. Um, so like, it's been a, it's been a long road, but like, uh, I, I'm, I'm a veteran. I'm a British Army veteran. I was a physical training instructor in, in the Army. Uh, great, great job. Fantastic role. I loved um, being around hardened elite soldiers um, and I loved getting them fit and battle ready for operations across the world. Uh, I deployed in, in my time in the army to Afghanistan when I was 19, 20 years old. So I was super young. Uh, and I came back and I sort of felt a little lost and I felt like I didn't really have a place or I got a bit bored as well. So at the time I was working in the gym um, after my tour of Afghanistan and I uh, had a had a my my sergeant in the gym. I'd started like um, uh, an outdoor fitness uh, business, um, and at the time it was called Parafit back home. And this was like, or maybe twelve, no wait, ten years ago now, about ten years ago. And um, it was like, oh, do you want to take a couple of sessions here and that? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sounds good. I earn a bit more cash while I was still serving. Um, and then it sort of took off a little bit. It took a little while. Like we were at one point, I was at, at a park and I had just just one just one client for like two weeks uh, in Guildford in Surrey, just outside of London. And it was it was a little soul destroying. <laughs> but like I kept persevering and we kept going and we started to build up the um the you know the the membership base ever so slowly. At this at this point in time, um, we didn't really know how to market very well. We're soldiers, we're not marketers, we're not business owners. The only thing we had going for us really is some like a bit of fitness knowledge. And to probably shout a little bit, which is not always the way that I like to do things now. Um, and then I, um, 
I actually left the business very briefly and then I went to work uh, as, a, as a personal trainer in central London. I was like attracted to like the big lights of London and the yep. big paychecks and um, it didn't work out at all. I wasn't a salesman at all. So I had to, I had to go back to the drawing boards and I had to learn the hard way. So I went back into the business and I was the first um, franchise owner of um, Bootcamp UK. And uh, I set up the, the bootcamp in a small uh, town just out it's just near Stonehenge in, outside of London and um, we had 40 people show up to the first session and uh, this was the way we got these people through was just through Facebook marketplace and groups and things like that where it's a free session come down to boot camp and at this point in time I was just driving trucks and lorries and I was miserable as hell and I was eating junk food and I was just sad so when I this opened uh, and I had 40 people show up to this park, this field. That's where we operate. We're an outdoor fitness company. It was like this huge like, light bulb moment that came into, into my mind. And I just knew from that point forward that I was set for life. Like that was, that was what I was going to do. And there was nothing that was going to stop me. And I was going to build this awesome community um, where I felt um, was, that was needed in that community at the time and what I needed as a, as a person as well. So the next day, even though I wasn't going to get any money for a while, I just went into my job and I quit my job on the spot straight away. And then I grew the business for, from 40 members and I opened another park location just down the road into another town. And we had a hundred people turn up for the first session and it was just blew my mind. And I had no idea how to cope with all this. And I had no idea how to like just generate the sales from all this as well. So if, if I was to go back and do that again, I would know exactly what to do. But like that, that was fine. It was a learning experience for me. Um, and then we grew the membership quite a lot. And then I opened a third and a fourth and a fifth location. And in the end, I finished with six locations across the South of England. Uh, and I think by the end of it, like I had like 600 odd members all paying a membership fee of anything between 25 pounds to, to 30 pounds a month or on direct debit, which is like contracts, automatic payments. Um, so I grew a business which was really profitable and, and not really a, anything that I would e even think of earning when I was still a soldier in the, in the British Army. Um, and it was a great, great experience. And I also learned from all this how it taught me how to be a leader because I never got promoted when I was in the Army. So it taught me how to be a leader and to have I like 10 staff at the time and they were doing different sessions at one time and the, the business grew really, really well. And I was really, really excited about it. And even throughout COVID, everyone stayed with me um, and we, we just carried on going online really um, because of the community that we built. And we built the community really well. That was the main, I'm, I'm great with people. I know how to talk to people of all ages, of all backgrounds. And I know how to make people feel really good about themselves uh, and to make people believe that they can do a push up or they can do a box jump or, or whatever it would be. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the background. I feel like I've talked loads. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Yeah. And, and, and so I think that that's helpful because the, Andreas, typically the, the people that we have on this podcast are pretty standard as far as business models go. They have a lease or a location, they're training members. This, this doesn't quite fit in that natural box. And so I think having that context of how you 
created, grew this, and now bring it to the U.S. is is important. If we're to sort of put a label on it, it's it kind of falls into the idea of mobile training where we're going to a location, but you're going to the same location. And so it's sort of mobile group training, if you will, right? It's super like, like you know, I get people asking, oh, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'll take a fitness class on a field. And of course, people just send like almost scoff at it because I haven't got like a location. Um, but doing things the right way with Facebook groups and bringing a community together and setting up events, parties, events, and like things like obstacle course races that I get all my clients to do with me that we have one in Orlando this year. That gives people that sense of community. And typically gym environments can be quite, uh, what's, what's the word for it? Like quite off-putting sometimes for like a new person to come along to. Um, People have a lot of anxiety go into a new gym environment. So when they come along to the park and the people, we have all this foot traffic with people going through the park, walking their dogs, they see our flag, they see our van, they see all the equipment, they see 30 people having a bunch of, having a great time and 30 people of all shapes and sizes as well. So it gives people confidence to then go yeah. in and give it and give it a go. Um, yeah, and you frame it as much more welcoming than the typical gym, right? Absolutely. And, you know, our name, I feel like sometimes can be quite aggressive. Bootcamp is quite an aggressive name. But like, I think it does fall into like, it's not easy. Our sessions aren't easy, like, but they are scalable to all, all levels of fitness. Right. Um, so once people have their one or two sessions and they see that it's working for them, um, then generally they're hooked on it. Yeah. And so Andreas, give us an idea of I mean, and this is fairly new by all standards, at least over here, you opened it up a handful of months ago or, or started the business a handful of months ago in the U.S. How many people do you work with now and how many people can you work with in the big picture? So, yeah, like, you know, in England, it was like I had 100 people at one session. But over here, because we've only opened on September the 6th last year, 21 um then we've only we've got 32 members at the moment right so well, typically we have like 20 25 members that turn up to each session which comparable to the membership that we have that's quite a big chunk of our membership that comes to every session which is you know is good because a lot of crossfit places have 200 members or whatever they have typically like 16 people but obviously that's a different model coaching is at a much higher level than ours um but with our, what typically what, what happens is we have 25 people turn up and we could, I could probably take, and I have taken 35, 40 people um, at still a good safe level of fitness class. Yeah. Um, but any, any more than that, then I let, again, I get a second instructor the whole time. So then, yep. second okay. so then what I do. Sure. So how, how to, so the name of the game is volume, really. It's a, it's a lower cost service and we can serve a much higher number of people here and talk us talk to us about the marketing that goes into it how do you without a physical location obviously we don't have a building with a sign on it how do you get the word out about this service existing in, in the first place it's exactly the same as any other location should be doing it really like it just because i've got i haven't got a fixed abode i guess like everything that i do is completely online so we, we use Facebook ads a lot. Facebook used to work really, really well. 
Um, but you know, it's gone down a little bit with new settings and new updates from iPhone, from Apple. Um, but Facebook ads, we put a load of money through that. Uh, YouTube ads, Instagram ads, um, Google ads, and we also on Groupon um, and other like bits and, and like we pay for like groups, Facebook groups and bits and pieces so we can get get onto those as well. Um, so locally, we we hammer the local uh, the the marketing. Um, and we put we put sometimes well at the moment I'm, I'm every cent that I earn is going back into the business so you know the, for, for my so I'm not putting any more my my money in but about thousand dollars a month is going into going into marketing. Okay, and so that's a that's a really important point, and you say the way that everybody should doing it. And and 2021 2022 we did see a bit of a dip in. ROI on paid marketing and the the efficacy and the quality of the leads, but it's still very much the gold standard for marketing. And so I appreciate you for saying this is what we do to to grow the business and get the word out. How successful has it been so far? How many leads do you generate in a given month? Oh wow! So like it's it's a little like it's a little difficult at the moment because I feel like we're massively still in that brand awareness stage, right? So I feel like so, and we're also massively learning about the business in the United States. In England, we know exactly when to put the the market in detail in. So we know in January it's going to be really really good. We know in April it's going to be really good because people want their summer bodies in, in two days, right? And then in in July, June, July is great. August it drops off because people are on their vacations. And then in the in the winter it's crap, right? But over here, because I live in Florida, because we moved out to Florida for this reason, because of the great weather, we're still learning exactly when the, the best time to market is. How many leads we get at the moment? I'm going to say that we probably get like anything between ten and fifteen leads a time. We have lots of people that sign up to our, our like newsletter and then not always convert into a paying customer. That's when I call them uh, okay. and try and get them to come along. But yeah, we we probably have. I reckon three or four new people a week at the moment, which is better than what we were doing when we first started. We started with just seven people. And now we have, yeah, yeah so now people are coming through. And so we're certainly trending in the right direction. Yeah. Um, but to your point, we, we probably could handle far more than what we are. You're obviously building brand awareness and, and trying to generate these leads. If we're to zoom out a little bit and to think about this in kind of big picture terms, in a, in a funnel sort of analogy, lead generation way up at the top, our sales process and how many convert in the middle and then retention down yeah. at the bottom. Where do you want to focus the most of your time? Where do you think that you can have the biggest impact in this new business? Well, for, for our, our lead generation, our funnel is $20 for 10 sessions, right? So that's what people, that's what they see all over. When people click on Facebook on Daytona, they see our ads everywhere and it's $20 for 10 sessions. So that's, that's our funnel. Uh, and then as soon as they get down to, when they've done three or four sessions, sometimes even two sessions, if they're super keen, depending if they've done two sessions back to back, I then go to them straight away and I say, hey, Tim, sign up with us. It's, um, it's a 12-month contract, but I'm going to give you two months for free, right? And then there's $39 there for every month for unlimited sessions and once they convert uh, i've always found that my retention levels are really really good as well right so then yeah. i get set them goals uh and I, i've become their friends and i make sure that they stay with us so far we've only had one person that's leave in the whole five months so um yeah. 
yeah so so far so good so like you know yeah and so the the front end offer being twenty dollars for 10 sessions is essentially a trial right yeah. and and so how has conversion after that trial been do you find that the majority of those do sign up as members they do yeah i would say i would say i'm gonna say 80 percent of them do okay and so andreas i mean things are are moving and trending in the right direction give us an idea of what the next step is for you where are you going to be focusing your time here as you build the business so next step for me is to keep growing daytona beach that location there my target is to get as a reasonable target to get to i want 75 members by the end of the year and then i'm going to be opening um titusville which is a small town of about 100,000 inhabitants in um, Brevard County in, in Florida. And I'm going to be open here at like an end of March, April time. Um, and then my, my sole target is to get to 50 members for that location before the close of the year. Um, so I want two solid locations. And then my goal is then is to then um, find somebody to um, look after one of those parks for me and uh, sub-franchise that park out or franchise that park out to them. So that's their park. We take a small franchise fee for that. Uh, and then for me to open a, a third location, which will be Orlando. Okay, so multiple locations is really the strategy here and, and even further diving into the volume play of this, right? Is that really the, the big play? Absolutely, yeah. It's a volume, it's the, it's the volume of members, it's the volume of parks um, to to really grow the business as well, for sure, yeah. Yeah, and so with your experience over in the UK, how big can these individual, you described it as a sub-franchise, how big can one business be? What's, so, the, what's, the, what's the kind of capacity here? In terms of monetary or in terms of attendance? I suppose both, but uh, give, us, give us an idea of, sort of for you pitching this to a third party investor and somebody looking to franchise what's the upside for them the upside is like the the time to money ratio is is excellent of course when you grow a membership base of up to 200 people then there's going to be membership cancellations there's going to be people you have to deal with you have to grow the community so it does become of course a full-time job when you get up to 200 members but we have we have franchisees in, in England that are earning five thousand pounds for one park. So like and for just three for three classes a week. And then they have a second location, maybe that's three thousand pounds. So they're earning eight thousand pounds per month. And then they pay us a franchise fee back to the company of just three hundred and sixty pounds, which is about five hundred dollars. Yeah. So it's not it's not much at all. Uh, and then um, so it's a really profitable business for um, franchise um, franchisees to come into. They get yeah. trained. They so then they they stay with us for for a number of months first before they then are let out and then set up their own location. And they they get to monopolize that area as well. So we would never set up a, a second location in an area that is like in a in a small town. If it was like somewhere like Orlando, then they would do like one side of East Orlando, then West Orlando, or something along. Right, those right, okay. Yeah. And, and so simple and easy and fairly cost efficient for somebody to get started and, and build this sort of business. And the last question I have for you, Andreas, is have you, have you considered or is there any room for 
a, a higher level of service within this model. I'm, I'm th thinking like smaller group or, or personal training even, is there, is there room for that? Is that something that you guys have thought about yet? Yeah, we do it anyway. So like we, any, as soon as you own that franchise, then you can do whatever you want with, with the, the members that come to your franchise. That is your business. So if you want to upsell to them, then that is what people, exactly what they do. So I, I mean, I do it now. I, I do online programs for my, for my clients. I do personal training for my clients sometimes as well. Um, so like, this is, this is exactly what I do. So it's not just the, the, the membership money that you get, you can upsell to customers, nutrition plans or, or, or whatever you want to do. Often, sometimes people even put an extra like functional fitness morning classes onto our, onto our members as well. That's what I did back home. I had a, like a subclass away from my class that I was doing like a, a Monday and a Wednesday and a Friday, 6 a.m. class where I rented out from the CrossFit box and then I was doing a functional fitness class for them as well. So like you, there is, as soon as you have the, the park location, like those members are yours and you can do what you want, what you want with them. And we will just promise as a, as a business to keep providing new members that come along and new leads that come along to your park all the time. And if you're a good, a good instructor and a good salesman and a good business owner, um, then you will convert those leads and then you will grow your wealth. Yeah. And, and so you, you at the start, like we could, franchise this all over the place it's exciting and and it's proven to be successful at least in the uk and now it'll exactly. be incredibly interesting to see your go of it here in the u.s especially down in florida now andreas as we run a bit shy on time here and begin to wrap this up where can people find out a little bit more about this is there a website yeah totally if you go to bcukamerica.com and then that's our that's our website or if you just reach out to me on Facebook, just my name, Andreas Byrne, um, then you better reach out to me on Facebook and send me a message and it'll be great to connect with people across the States for sure. That's perfect. Well, man, it's, it's been fascinating to host this conversation and to see kind of your ideas and, and what the plan is for this boot camp as you move forward, man. I appreciate your time and, and I wish you nothing but the best here as you move forward. Super appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And so to everyone who tuned in, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your fitness model within the fitness industry, your business model within the fitness industry, excuse me, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.